Well, hello everyone. Uh, this is Ganna Pugrebna and Patrick Hans, and uh, we are um, data-driven Formula One channel, and we're talking about Formula One and analytics in, in, uh, um, uh, in yeah, basically in, in our videos. So, hi Patrick. Hi Ganna. Um, yeah, so today we have a very exciting character to talk about, and that's Enzo Ferrari. And yeah. uh, luckily for for us all, Patrick is the expert here. <laughs> he wrote <laughs> he wrote several books, and one of the books is uh, about <laughs> well Enzo Ferrari's approach to business, anyway. And um, yeah, we are going to kind of uh, mostly rely on Patrick's knowledge today, but um, uh, we will also show you some analytics um, exactly. that I've done on um, uh, um, on kind of Ferrari team, and we will just talk about the legacy of this uh, of this man. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and I assume uh, he is the most famous name uh, related to Formula One. So uh, quite interesting to speak uh, about him. Uh, as always, as we did uh, in the past, we have a brief uh, profile from him. Uh, his complete name was Enzo Aselmo Giuseppe Maria Ferrari. And uh, I will come to this uh, a little bit later. Uh, he was a great uh, storyteller and uh, this practically begins uh, with his birth because his official uh, birth was the February 18 of 1898. Uh, he was born in the Kingdom of Italy. Uh, this uh, is not the date uh, which uh, you can see in his uh, birth certificate. Uh, because this says um, 20 of February, so two days later, um, Enzo Ferrari always explained it that his father uh, couldn't go to the governmental office because of the uh, bad uh, weather. Nevertheless, there are uh, some indications that uh, the weather wasn't that bad uh, at that time, so maybe there was uh, any other reasons maybe his they just uh, yeah they just didn't go like part of my exactly. part of my family part of my family is russian and we kind of exercise the same recklessness sometimes as italians uh, <laughs> culturally uh, pa uh, pardon me for this uh, uh, for, for 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 this uh, kind of click cliche um, uh, and um, yeah I didn't mean to say anything bad about either Italians or Russians but I know that for example my grandparents none of them have like their real date birth date in their passports <laughs> the reason for that is that yeah by the time someone would actually get to the registry office several days would have passed um, and uh, yeah, the, the registration was not automatic by, back in the day, so you wouldn't have like electronic records like we have now. And yeah, someone had to physically go to, uh, you know, the registry office and register the birth and you couldn't kind of post date it. You had to go on the day. Um, so yeah, that's just the way it is and the way it was. And I'm sure in 19th century, it was even, even, even worse. Yeah. Um, uh, he was uh, the second um, of two brothers, so he had an uh, older uh, brother. Uh, Enzo Ferrari, as you may remember, um, 
uh, became quite uh, old, so uh, exactly a little bit more than uh, 90 years uh, as he died August uh, 1988. Uh, orig uh, originally, um, his father uh, took him to a race, uh, a local race, uh, and this is the way he has been, let's say, fallen in love, uh, not only with motor racing, but especially with the 12-cylinder engine, as, uh, as he, he heard the sound of this particular uh, construction uh, in a packard as he, as he has been standing um, at the racetrack. And, um, and later uh, he said that he got married with the 12-cylinder engine and never got divorced. And we see this later in the later seasons also as Ferrari had been quite late to give up the 12-cylinder engine and switch uh, in the, 1990, sorry, the 1980s, for example, to the turbo engines. So yeah, he was quite stubborn also in a way. Yeah, but I mean, um, I think we've discussed this, uh, th this before when we discussed uh, Alberto Oscari. Um, that not only Enzo Ferrari was a very charismatic guy, he also had a very, um, uh, uh, yeah, very precise convictions, like about red cars, for example, yes. you know, the very um, uh, sort of, you know, he wanted, so he, you know, that he, he famously said that, you know, if you, if you ask a, if you ask a child what, what color the car is, they will tell you red. <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit, it reminds me a little bit uh, of Ford saying like, you can have uh, your car in any color as long as it's black, right? <laughs> so, right. so um, and also uh, something that uh, Patrick mentioned before in, um, the podcast that we've done on on colors on colors on, and painting of the uh of of the cars uh that um he was very um he had he had very strong opinions about um sponsorships and he would not allow for example um um, cigarette, cigarette companies, tobacco companies to sponsor Ferrari cars uh, during his lifetime. Uh, mm -hmm. So this famous Marlboro kind of uh, advertisement was already after uh, Enzo Ferrari passed away. And um, uh, you can see on the screen uh, the absolutely amazing uh, combination of uh, nicknames <laughs> that he had. <laughs> and they're all very authoritative. <laughs> Exactly, and uh, um, I will come back to this then, uh, later. So uh, important, uh, as you may know, um, originally uh, he had, uh, so as a little boy, he had uh, uh, two potential uh, jobs, uh, what he would like to uh, become later in life. Uh, one was uh, a singer at the opera. And this uh, second would be a race car driver. So uh, he started racing also quite uh, young, uh, but also relatively young, uh, he gave uh, this up. And there may be several reasons. Uh, one may say that his uh, wife uh, pushed him uh, because it was uh, too dangerous, especially as they had a, a son later. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, normally he wasn't the type of person who listened uh, much uh, to women. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it does not appear like one. <laughs> it, 
in fact, uh, I mean, he uh, had uh, some uh, women in his personal. Yes, uh, yes, of course. His mother, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, uh, even others besides his mother. So, uh, in this way, maybe he was quite emancipated, uh, if you may say, uh, say so. Uh, but um, so it was a general habit that he was not listening much to other people, so independent men, yeah, women. To me, I think uh, it probably was, uh, I mean, I know that it happened for him slightly earlier, but um, uh, the, the death of Antonia Ascari, I think that was, that kind of nailed this uh, and ended, completely ended his kind of racing career because um, I think that was a, you know, in 1924, when uh, um, when when uh, um, Antonio Ascari uh, passed away, so during the race, um, uh, that was quite a big shock to him. And uh, um, you know, Ascari was Ascari, the father, was his um, um, basically yeah driving companion. So we will talk about this, and you know, the friend and the driving companion, and. Yeah, I think it just was um, um, one of the considerations. But then I guess the other consideration was that really you needed someone back in the garage, you know, making decisions. So you needed to, to have these specialized roles. And I think the reason why we have Ferrari as one of the greatest, and some people would argue the greatest team, um, in the history of sport, um, it, you know, the, the reason for that is that, you know, he saw that, he saw that there should be a specialization, like you can't really do everything um, yeah. when, it, when racing cars are concerned. Exactly, I think as mostly uh, th there have been a couple of, uh, uh, of reasons why he gave up um, racing as a driver, uh, another thing I think is uh, he was very competitive. So uh, racing was uh, for him not about participating, but uh, about uh, winning. So quite famously, uh, I mean, uh, especially Nicky Lauda said later, uh, when we won, it was uh, the car. When we lost, uh, it was the driver. And I think uh, at that uh, quite early, he met uh, Tasso Nugolari very famous Italian race driver. Uh, they drove uh, together and uh, here I think he had uh, to understand that he could not, he, he was a good driver, but nevertheless he was not driving on the same level as Tassio Nuvolari. So, so, so he understood he wouldn't never win championship, that he was, hadn't had that talent. But uh, nevertheless he understood he had this talent in managing uh, so that's why I think was another motivator uh, to um, leave the uh, steering wheel and become uh, uh, focused solely uh, uh, being the team manager. Yeah, somehow I think uh, he's the kind of guy that uh, would be successful as a driver if he like put enough time into it. But I just think he saw his passion in in engineering more than you know yes. driving. And uh, at that one, and at one point, he had to make uh, make the choice between the two because you know you needed, like uh, like we said before, you know you needed someone back in the garage making decisions, and he just found his passion there. And I think, you know, if he had more passion for driving, he probably would have been a, an amazing driver. 
Exactly. So uh, as I said, I think it was a combination of reasons uh, which led to this uh, decision. Uh, as you uh, rightly pointed out, he had a, a lot of uh, nicknames. Maybe the most famous one was Il Commendatore. Uh, and this, I assume, for two, uh, two reasons. Because uh, one, uh, he received a medal from the Italian government, uh, which uh, could uh, give him this title. But also, of course, it was about his uh, leadership style, at least his most famous uh, leadership style, that he was uh, in charge uh, of everything, and everything was done as uh, he wanted it uh, to. Uh, another interesting uh, nickname uh, is uh, Il Engineere, the engineer. As uh, I lived uh, 10 years in Mexico, and uh, you may say we have this same Latin uh, business culture. So I know that still uh, today uh, uh, we have uh, this, uh, this kind of nicknames uh, uh, for, let's say, a little bit um, uh, older uh, colleagues which have already reached a higher seniority level that we just uh, uh, speak about them, about uh, the engineer. Mm -hmm. So it's a, and it, this is, this is a, a very positive uh, nickname in, in the Latin uh, culture. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, it's like the teacher in the maybe. In exactly. The... In, exactly. in Asia. This is, mm -hmm. this is uh, to this. So maybe this is even a little bit more positive than Il Commentatore, which you can see also from a more negative point of view. As he mm -hmm. not was very democratic in his leadership style, mostly. Yeah. Uh, important, uh, the Scuderia Ferrari uh, was not uh, first uh, his own company, but it was uh, uh, the uh, name of the racing uh, department of Alfa Romeo. So you, before the Second World War, you see the Alfa Romeo racing cars uh, already with the famous Ferrari logo. Uh, after the company became uh, bought by the government, uh, they, they limited a little bit uh, his responsibilities, uh, what he not liked, so he left uh, Alfa Romeo. Uh, due to his contract, he wasn't allowed uh, to use the name Ferrari for, I'm not sure, for three years. So that's why he founded first uh, another company before he founded uh, Ferrari. Um, so first of all, his team was uh, Alfa Romeo and then uh, he became active as Ferrari. And this is uh, what we saw as we discussed the uh, 52 season, why he was so emotional, emotionally um, I saw the 51 season as uh, he scored the first uh, victory against uh, his old company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so which is also kind of shows the strength of character, I guess, because it's kind of uh, racing one baby against the other. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So uh, one topic as uh, Enzo Ferrari is maybe the most famous name. There's a lot of information about this little guy so the question is, if we speak uh, like one hour about uh, Enzo Ferrari, what we like to mention here and what not. So I thought uh, not, uh, not to uh, speak about his whole life, but just take some interesting episode uh, from it. Uh, as we discussed earlier, a good way to learn about these people is uh, reading books. 
personally, uh, the most interesting biography, and I put it here, is uh, from Luca Del Monto. As I show it from this way, very sick book. Mm -hmm. A little bit less than 1,000 pages, but uh, really it uh, reads very good like a novel. So you read it uh, quite fast. Uh, it has its focus on, on the sports, on the business decision, but also speaks a little bit uh, about his private life. Not so much, but you understand a little bit uh, from it. Uh, of course, I also have to mention uh, that I also wrote a book about him. Mm -hmm. It's around 400 pages uh, here. It's uh, besides the title. It's not only about him himself, but also we see a lot of other Italian leaders. So it includes a little bit my personal experience uh, uh, in Latin business culture, uh, combined, of course, uh, with my passion for uh, racing and uh, Ferrari. So this is more an interpretation. Also speaking about different uh, leadership styles, business philosophy, uh, business ethics, um, etc. If you are less into reading but like to see uh, about his life, there is a very good uh, mini series which have been done in Italy. I think it has been three episodes. It was really and it was uh, very well perceived. So they even did uh, a special edit uh, to make uh, a movie out of this uh, three episode. Unfortunately, due to my knowledge, it's uh, not really streaming on some of the known platforms as Netscape, uh, Netscape, uh, Net Netflix, Netflix. Of course. <laughs> uh, Amazon, Disney, uh, whatever. Uh, so you might have to look uh, for it. Uh, but really, uh, uh, it's it's really uh, telling very good his life. It is a little bit uh, goes a little bit into the surrealism. So quite interesting to see, even if you're not uh, only interested uh, about Enzo Ferrari. So this is a real recommendation from my side. Um, besides this, uh, I've heard that Hollywood uh, also still had uh, the idea to do a new movie about him. But I don't know how is the status. I mean, especially with uh, COVID, everything is delayed. So I don't know if this really will be uh, realized uh, in the next years or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think definitely there is a lot of literature. I mean, uh, Patrick, you mentioned, uh, so, yeah, uh, and, and, uh, definitely two two very cool books, and uh, one of them one of them is yours, which is uh, um, uh, which is great. So I, I also really like your book about uh, uh, compliance as a Formula One car. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, uh, that's another one that I would recommend everybody to look at. Uh, it's uh, worth uh, reading if you kind of want to continue, kind of in thinking in terms of analogies with racing and business and um, yeah there are uh, there are a lot of um, um, kind of uh, Hollywood films as well so that where you could see the character of Enzo Ferrari but um, uh, whatever you do I guess you know reading is, is a good thing <laughs> and just just uh, just have a look at what you can source uh, from uh, uh, from various websites and definitely just just reading uh, anything 
uh, about this guy would be. Uh, I mean, too, there are many interesting articles uh, in the internet if you search around, and there, I'm sure there are a lot of other books uh, which you can find. So, mm -hmm. really, there's a lot of information, and that's on the other hand, uh, makes it more difficult to think what we want to speak today. Uh, as I not want, uh, as you not want to repeat what you always read or can find in other places. So I just took some examples, um, and the first point, uh, uh, which I called "How to Meet uh, Enzo Ferrari." I mean, if you have the possibility, uh, how you can uh, go to these famous uh, places where he worked. Uh, uh, and uh, to perceive a little bit uh, the uh, history. Um, so, uh, first the recommendation, well, I mean, the recommendation here, um, if you are planning uh, to go to Italy, for example, having uh, holidays uh, in the Toscany, which is a very uh, high recommendation from my side. For example, if you're staying in uh, Florence, in uh, Firenze, it is very easy to go to uh, Modena with one of the Italian uh, high-speed uh, trains, uh, which uh, are also painted in red. So it, it will take you around 90 minutes from Florence uh, to Modena. And uh, so I would recommend really the train and uh, not going by car. Uh, also because uh, on the left, the Enzo uh, Ferrari Museum Modena is really three minutes walking from the Modena train station. So much easier with train and, uh, and this museum is really uh, has its focus on Enzo as the person, uh, which you see here as Officina Mechanica Alfredo Ferrari. This is the uh, original workshop uh, from his father. So uh, Enzo was born in a, uh, into a family of uh, engineers. So that's why he also developed the respect uh, into engineering and the respect uh, for machines in, in general, um, which shows us also, uh, Enzo came uh, clearly not from a rich family, uh, uh, but also he wasn't from a, he hasn't had a poor background. Uh, he was uh, something middle class. Mm -hmm. middle class. Uh, so here in this building, uh, the workshop was on the uh, first floor and the Ferrari family uh, lived um, above uh, in the second floor. So he will, at that time, uh, you really uh, lived uh, where you're working. Yeah, and I think uh, this, is, uh, uh, this had a lot of impact on his work ethic, right? Because, uh, yes. you know, having the family culture of constantly, constantly working uh, had, uh, had a huge effect on him and um, as we will see later, he never took vacations, not, not one day of vacation. And uh, this, is, uh, the, this kind of comes from the childhood because, you know, it was just uh, kind of the, this work ethic and dedication to work was very important. Exactly. And uh, so really, uh, this museum is very interesting. You see his first uh, desk, uh, and uh, besides this, of course, a very interesting uh, collection of uh, Ferrari cars inside this workshop and on the new modern uh, building, which you can see on the right. Uh, also, uh, from a touristic point of view, um, uh, very uh, good is um, because uh, you can have a shuttle 
from this museum to the Ferrari Museum in uh, Maranello, which goes maybe like uh, 20 minutes. Uh, so it, if you're doing a one-day trip, I may recommend uh, that after or before visiting the Enzo Ferrari Museum, you take a, little, a while, one, two hours, to uh, walk through the Modena Historic Center. Not such a historic place as Siena, Florence, but really a, a very beautiful uh, city. So you may like to see it. And uh, Modena is uh, famous um, practically for two things. One is Ferrari and the one, other one is uh, uh, balsamic vinegar and uh, food in general. So a very good place uh, to eat also. And so, so hopefully, this, so hopefully, once we emerge emerge from COVID, you guys can do it. Do it. Uh, um, and um, yeah, I wonder, uh, uh, Patrick, do you know if there is anything like virtual? Are there any virtual tours now there that you could kind of engage uh, no, with? No, uh, uh, the museums they uh, they don't have a virtual tour. Uh, what I saw lately and I found is quite interesting is and and, uh, and uh, I don't see this is as a replacement for a personal visit but uh, as an extension of the visit or a preparation uh, the uh, there is on the website there is some kind of uh, quiz where they show you particular parts of the collection and uh, uh, you have to answer a question and if you uh, if you answer right, you get a small virtual price. So um, even if they don't have a virtual uh, trip through the museum, uh, they are also uh, working on how to extend the experience of the museum uh, with the internet, uh, because there, there's of course one big problem. Uh, it's there's only one place in the world where you, where you can see this museum and so most of us, especially if you're living in different uh, continents, it's quite an investment uh, to go to this museum. So mm -hmm. they are working on it, I think. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, uh, uh, like you mentioned before, Patrick, nothing, nothing beats the personal, personal yes. experience. So, so when you get a chance, do go and have a look at it. Mm -hmm. Exactly, that's why I mentioned it's a very good combination if you never also wanted to see other places uh, in Italy or in Europe in general. Okay, uh, when you are at Mugello, of course you are uh, going uh, into the museum, but also take a, a little bit time and walk around the museum because then you can uh, pass by also uh, the other famous uh, buildings. Uh, on the left, uh, this is the uh, building for the Scuderia Ferrari, you see, uh, you see, uh, this is the uh, um, this um, shaped logo. This is uh, S with the SF. This is the Ferrari racing team. In opposite uh, to the uh, Ferrari logo, which you see on the right, which is the Ferrari logo of the uh, car manufacturer. Mm -hmm. And this is the famous uh, entrance, which you may know from many many photos. So. Uh, please take some time also to walk by. Uh, on the right, you see the famous uh, Restaurante uh, Cavallino, uh, which should have also a, a very uh, good, um, very good food. 
And um, besides this uh, uh, classic Italian uh, food from the Emilia Romana, the state, uh, or as I said, the region. Uh, and also the prices shouldn't be uh, too expensive. As uh, at my visit, I already ate at uh, Modena. I wasn't uh, inside, but uh, besides the food, it's also his for historically quite interesting for Ferrari fans because here uh, many times uh, Enzo Ferrari went with business partners or also drivers and all the important uh, people they normally ate at this restaurant. So you can, if you're lucky, you can uh, meet some of the drivers or directors or other important uh, people from uh, Ferrari. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, worth visiting. And uh, uh, Emilia Romana uh, generally is a very interesting region. And uh, yeah, uh, for, for obviously for Ferrari uh, legacy, but for many other reasons as well. So definitely good excuse to, to, to go there to see Ferrari. Exactly. Mm -hmm. exactly. And, and by the way, uh, uh, if you're really a very big uh, car fan, uh, there's also uh, nearby the museum from Maserati, Maserati. Lamborghini. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you're not tra uh, traveling with your family, maybe uh, with your wife, uh, or maybe you're lucky your wife also likes uh, cars, then uh, you can spend um, various days in this region. Yeah, I just want to say, well, Patrick, I mean, there are women who like cars as well. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we do, we do exist. <laughs> I, I know, but I, 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 was, I was going with my wife and my daughter and for, for one day it was good, but... Uh, uh, yeah, too, too many cars uh, at one point, yeah, <laughs> yeah I understand. But uh, yeah, but there are like, yeah, let's just say that, yeah, we, we appreciate that. There is a lot of heterogeneity in taste and, and definitely women are also interested in this, so... So, yeah, and uh, uh, indeed, uh, this is just um, a very good region to see uh, Italian car manufacturing and uh, not only Ferrari, if you are not a fan of Ferrari for, for some reason. Uh, yeah, you definitely can see also other, uh, um, uh, other places associated with um, um, Italian uh, car engineering, like Maserati, exactly. Lamborghini. Just, just to finish this uh, off, uh, Let's say if you're staying near Florence, there are also different organized trips where they send you with a van, which we decided against because they they include the museum, they include the testing of the mostly of the balsamic vinegar, and a short trip, and so the and this only goes to one of the two museums. So uh, you would miss the other one. So if you're really interested in Ferrari, as I said, take the take train. Take a train. Take a train take and a go train. yourself. Really, really very easy to do. Yeah, and uh, uh, um, uh, be armed with literature, a book or a guidebook, <laughs> so that will help you to to, to navigate uh, the area. But definitely, yeah, it's a good idea to to explore uh, things yourself. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, yeah. As I've mentioned, as, there's, as there are many uh, biographies which you already read, so I just uh, concentrated on some of uh, the few episodes uh, which uh, show uh, Enzo Ferrari as a storyteller. So the first episode is about uh, wolves, and this is uh, quite early, so much before he 
uh, he joined. Um, yeah, I just wanted to ask you before that, uh, the, there is also the story about presidential uh, car mo yes. motorcade. But uh, I mean, um, I just wanted to say it's prob he probably meant prime minister um, uh, because because what I thought, I mean, I'm, I'm not uh, very knowledgeable about history of Italy. So if you guys are, do, do, do tell us. Um, because I thought it was like Vittoria, Vittoria Orlando was the, the, the prime minister at the time, but then they didn't get a president until like yeah, 1948 or something like this, right? Because I know that um, Enrico de Nicola was the first president, uh, but it's probably, it's probably prime minister that is meant here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it could be copyright on, on this time. So, yeah. yeah, because it was like very important year in uh, uh, Italian politics. Uh, I know that there was a Paris Peace Conference that year. And also we saw, um, for example, you know, Mussolini, uh, this was the year when he organized the fascist party in, in, in Italy. So like 1919 was a very kind of, important year and also we have to mention here that this is the year when uh enzo ferrari was competing in and in in targaforio alongside um uh ascari the father so antonio ascari so it was his partner uh, in that race and um here you see also the photo um with um uh, enzo ferrari in 1927 that's already after uh, he lost uh, uh, Ascari the father, so he's uh, his friend, um, and um, but uh, you know, uh, this is uh, he's uh, he's still uh, this is still a, a photo of Enzo Ferrari as a young man, and we don't yeah. see many of those, and uh, yeah, so um, uh, quite a rare occasion, yeah. So and uh, yeah, and the story goes that he was basically intersected by um, uh, the prime minister. I guess I mean it means prime minister and Caro motorcade. Um, uh, in um, uh, in the region uh, in Sicily, right? Uh, so the, the races take, took took place in Sicily, um, and um, yeah, so that was important. Yeah, exactly. So he practically drove uh, with his friend uh, from uh, Modena uh, to the south uh, with their race car. They had to stop because streets had been closed. Uh, but more interesting, uh, when they finally came to uh, Sitz, uh, 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 Sicily, and in this time he was um, uh, go, uh, um, driving together with his uh, colleague uh, Ugo Sivoki. Um, maybe you don't know uh, this name, but uh, he was also before the uh, Second World War a very famous uh, Italian uh, driver. Uh, he was the one uh, who had first uh, the Quattrofolio uh, Verde as his personal uh, uh, good luck charm uh, painted on, on the cars. Uh, and this is uh, what we uh, practically uh, discussed in the uh, earlier episode. Uh, Ugo was a very, uh, very talented driver, but uh, he always had bad luck. So he, he never won because there was always a problem with the car. And to, to uh, break this, this circle of bad luck, the, the engineers or the mechanics, uh, they got the idea to uh, paint this, uh, this uh, green um, uh, leaf uh, on his car. Uh, and since then, uh, he really had been very successful as a driver. But uh, there's a tragical end uh, to this. 
uh, he uh, later he tested uh, uh, a new Alfa Romeo uh, race car. It was a very new car, and due to this, they hadn't had uh, time to paint uh, the leaf on the car, and uh, he had also a fatal accident uh, in this uh, testing car. Yeah, and here you also can see the. So I only found I could only found this picture of Sicilian or Sicilian wolf, and obviously this is a a a a picture made in captivity. So quite like it breaks my heart that it's not, you know, a wolf in the wild. So, but but yeah, they they became extinct in 1924. I was just I'm just looking and I just had an idea. Maybe Sicilias or Sicily had had a president, but yeah, they also start from 1947. So I guess it was a prime minister. Yeah, just assume. Yeah. Oh, you guys, like if you know, like who, what was the police? So if you if you're knowledgeable about history of Italy, please tell us in in the comments. So yeah. Yeah. A cool story. Cool story about the wolves and and the weather and yeah. But I guess like sometimes the weather surprises you and you know even in Europe. Like I I I lived in Austria for a few years and I know. In Innsbruck, you could have like snow on the first of June sometimes. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, you know, sometimes yeah, that's uh, that's quite. Uh, you can have quite an unusual year. Mm. Exactly because, uh, as I said, I mean, if you think about south of Italy, Sicily, you wouldn't uh, imagine uh, having snow. So uh, I uh, investigated a little bit uh, on the internet and. Uh, now you can access uh, the historic uh, weather information from the different weather stations. Uh, and uh, if you see the, the weather stations from Italy, including the south for uh, November um, uh, 19, uh, 19, 19. Uh, this year, there was, if you see the weather, uh, <laughs> it seems that they could have had snow. So. So maybe this is a true story, maybe not, maybe a little bit uh, exaggerated. Exaggerated, <laughs> but let's say due to the to the data from the weather stations which I found on the internet for uh, that days, there could have been snow at least a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. not completely uh, out of possibility. Yeah, yeah, but also you know, uh, uh, it just uh, probably was enough to have uh, just uh, um, slightly cooler conditions and normal to have some issues with the car. So it was the reliability at that at that stage was not not very uh, um, uh, yeah not a strong part of of most cars uh, and, and you know probably you no know, some deviation from the usual weather could have produced. Uh, you know, even if it was hail, let's just say, you know, <laughs> could have been quite a drastic, uh, uh, could could have affected the car quite drastically, and uh, you know, exactly. So yeah, but but here's uh, here's the, uh, the 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 story from Enzo Ferrari, and uh, uh, it involves uh, Sicilian wolves, so which exactly. is uh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, then uh, another, uh, I mean, another point what Enzo Ferrari is for most of us, I think, is famous for in practically always wearing uh, sunglasses. There are only very few photos uh, of him without 
uh, sunglasses, uh, especially uh, in the second part uh, of his uh, life. Uh, I mean, um, officially, uh, it was also said that uh, he had later a, a problem with his eyes. That's why he was recommended to wear glasses. But uh, maybe there was an, an, another reason and uh, and uh, this may be similar uh, if you see, uh, let's say, the big uh, music stars, Hollywood stars in the interviews, um, a lot of them wearing sunglasses, even if they're giving an interview in their uh, hotel room. And uh, you can explain this a little bit with uh, psychology that people uh, who are always uh, observed uh, uh, when they are officially before the camera or with the paparazzi. So as a, a last projection, often uh, we see such stars wearing sunglasses. Uh, yeah, so and, and um, actually, in fact, you know, when you are, um, uh, uh, it also could, could have medical reasons because, yeah. uh, you know, um, uh, so Enzo Ferrari lived uh, through the whole period of kind of uh, a transition from this, um, you know, peop uh, from racing being uh, just a, a sport and, uh, and kind of a passion to uh, racing becoming a celebrity sport, right? So it was, uh, so all team principals are now celebrities, all drivers are now celebrities. And, um, you know, I think it's uh, around the 1960s when, you know, this uh, started to kind of shift in that direction. Um, and uh, this is when he, he started to wear his, his famous glasses. And in fact, you know, when, you know, people photograph you all the time, it's just basically having the, um, the flesh uh, in, in your face all the time. Like my, uh, my husband is a photographer, so I can tell you that's not very pleasant. And back in the day, it was not very pleasant. Uh, so yeah, my, my husband does film film photography, and uh, if you want to do a, a good photography with film, especially black and white film, you do need a flash, and this flash is very very bright. So I can tell why you know people you know back in the day wanted to to do it, but like Patrick mentioned as well um, just now, it was also I think a a, a, a fashion uh, you know like a, a kind of his charismatic signature. Of fashion to some extent because yeah I mean it's just uh, something that stood out um, you know in uh, in terms of uh, his uh, charisma and his um, brand you know like when I look at, at Enzo Ferrari I actually remember uh, another charismatic figure but from fashion and uh, it's, a, it's a German designer Karl Lagerfeld who yeah. basically uh, um, you know it, if you look at uh, it's very difficult to find um, I think only when Lagerfeld died uh, some you know uh, some some of the uh, tabloids and some magazines published his uh, pictures as a young man where he's not wearing yeah. uh, uh, glasses. But if you look at Karl Lagerfeld, he kind of has this kind of Italian-ish <laughs> style, uh, meaning that he has a suit and a tie, like much like Enzo Ferrari here, and uh, always uh, black sunglasses, right? So exactly, I think this is a very good uh, comparison, uh, Karl Lagerfeld. Uh, he, he was he born in the north uh, of Germany mm -hmm. from uh, Hamburg, but uh, very early in life he went to Paris. So uh, he grew up it's also in a Latin uh, culture, 
and uh, you may face uh, there there are some similarities uh, between Enzo and uh, Karl. Uh, obviously, uh, he always uh, wear a, a suit, uh, uh, nearly always the uh, sunglasses. Um, but also uh, their work uh, culture. I think Karl Lagerfeld. Uh, the same never did really holidays was working the the whole life from early morning to deep in the night not much uh, person of uh, uh, of parties uh, unusual of course for the fashion industry so there are some uh, similarities in the character yeah but i really think that you know when the ferrari kind of started this um this culture that you need to have a recognizable um yeah, basically a recognizable appearance, right? So, and this is something that we see in many celebrities now that they are trying to find some sort of style and then they kind of keep this style. And um, I think with, um, with him, it was kind of bringing this uh, understanding into racing, not just, uh, you know, like, um, I guess in 1960s, we've seen some, some kind of fashion icons already and, and he understood that, okay, well, you know, this is um, this is my second skin. Like you know, this is my mask that I'm gonna wear to the outside world. Exactly, and uh, I think uh, based on on my investigations and what uh, we will see also later in this uh, uh, today is in this episode is uh, I think he was very well uh, aware how he get uh, perceived and he could uh, um, uh, manage uh, himself how he wants to get uh, perceived. So. Uh, he he was uh, a little bit as a, as a artistic um, uh, um, or an, as an artist or a piece of art. So he know uh, how he gets perceived and uh, he managed himself that way uh, that he get perceived as he wants others that uh, he gets perceived. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think it's also kind of the way to protect uh, your private life from the cameras, right? And uh, I mean, he uh, he strikes me, uh, at least from kind of reading, uh, reading about him, is that he was quite, um, you know, he was just a very hardworking person who wanted to keep his private life to himself. And then when he became this huge celebrity with the success of Ferrari as a brand, I think he needed, again, some public, you know, some public face. And yes. so this was his, uh, his way of protecting his, his, his privacy, you know, to have this, uh, this type of image and to kind of develop this, uh, um, uh, yeah, this basically brand of, of uh, Enzo Ferrari as a, as a public figure. And then he probably was completely different, you know, <laughs> at home or, and, and at work, yeah. Exactly, especially important as he was a very introverted person, so he was not outgoing, so the complete opposite from the Italian uh, cliché, practically, very introverted uh, person. Mm -hmm. um, so, but uh, besides this, uh, that he uh, organized himself as a brand, I also would see it from a psychological point of view as uh, due to his lifestyle and uh, the loss of uh, close friends, uh, of course, uh, uh, this had an impact on his uh, character. He became much more, uh, uh, less, much less uh, empathic, uh, much more serious uh, uh, person. And uh, 
And this was at the same time, uh, practically, when he started uh, also to use uh, his uh, sunglasses. Yeah, and um, I think uh, we talked about this when we, we discussed um, uh, Alberto Oscari. And, you know, I think he, uh, Enzo Ferrari kind of felt partially responsible for death of both uh, Oscari the father and Oscari the son, especially uh, Alberto Oscari, who kind of was also a big inspiration, right, for the whole brand. Um, and, um, uh, you know, Patrick, you mentioned when we discussed uh, Alberto Oscari that uh, when he lost um, Alberto Oscari, he never actually let himself to get too emotionally attached to the drivers. Um, so it was not like this kind of father-son relationship anymore. For him, it was more a business relationship. And, uh, you know, this, I guess, the change in style also happened. This, the change in style to sunglasses also happened at that time period. So it's probably a combination of factors there. But, um, you know, definitely we do, uh, his figure is recognizable as kind of a man in a suit and sunglasses and kind of gray hair and all that. So like I said, like I just, I just uh, see this very, very similar to Karl Lagerfeld. So, uh, exactly, <laughs> I completely agree. Yeah, there are very, various similarities here. Uh, so he, he, relatively, he was uh, quite conservative in his style, uh, but uh, uh, not, uh, not uh, wearing different styles, but the one he had uh, was, uh, uh, was of course of a high uh, level of quality. So uh, the sunglasses had been from an Italian uh, company called uh, Pernals, quite uh, high quality, high price, uh, and especially uh, Enzo's model was the number uh, 2,762. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, uh, I just want to say that, uh, I mean, it's a little bit, um, uh, it's a little bit of a shame that uh, the suits are not as fashionable as they used to be, um, because uh, you know, uh, yeah, previously, of course, in in, in uh, especially in uh, 1950s, 1960s, uh, the time period that we're talking about, uh, yeah, suit was kind of very. I mean, it was it it was the, the look. <laughs> the majority of people were going going out like this, but of course, Enzo Ferrari was uh, was wearing the suit until he died. And uh, uh, the, the the cool thing thing about the suits, of course, that they completely change uh, your figure. They can completely change your appearance. Um, and then another another cool cool uh, cool point about it. So one of my friends who is an engineer, he told me that suit is a very actually very functional uh, clothes for an engineer because you have pockets, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, they're not like the current suit pockets that you know you cannot put anything in there. It's actually they had the kind of the outside. Uh, yeah, so externally attached pockets and all that. So, so that was all very, very functional. So, no, so, so there is a, there is a reason why you want to wear a suit. Uh, it's not only like looking cool and, uh, and nice, but also you know very functional clothes. Back in the yes, day, I mean, also it makes somehow you, your life easier if you always wear a suit. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to think what I'm wearing when. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think uh, famously some presidents I know that Barack Obama, I think, had uh, exactly the same kind of suit <laughs> that he was wearing. Yeah. So, 
Uh, yeah, and uh, indeed, uh, so the, so this were these are um, uh, very again very charismatic um, sunglasses that I think were kind of then uh, we're not gonna say copied, but citations of these sunglasses we see in other brands <laughs> later. And, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. So. Uh... As I said, I mean, Pernod seem they seem to be the really the the brand which have been in fashion at that uh, time, especially for pilots and uh, race drivers. So one of the other famous uh, clients had been uh, Steve McQueen. Uh, quite interesting. Uh, Steve McQueen uh, was also a big uh, Ferrari uh, fan. So he famously had won uh, Ferrari 250 GT Lusso. Mm -hmm. in uh, brown and uh, which was quite well known because normally nobody before wanted to have a Ferrari in brown. Uh, so this brown uh, still stayed uh, in, in the uh, Ferrari portfolio and I think lately they did some kind of special edition uh, Ferrari uh, Steve McQueen which they uh, sold in this uh, same brown as the actor had. Yeah, another, I think, uh, another person, uh, so I, I guess we could do, again, a separate video on Ferrari fans, but um, yep. uh, again, for the Brits out there, of course, Rowan Atkinson is uh, another one, so the famous Mr. Bean, uh, so yep. he's a, uh, not only he, uh, he owns uh, the Ferrari cars, I guess, I think they're all in white, um, but also, I think he had, uh, he crashed, uh, um, Ah, sorry, no, he crashed in McLaren, but yeah, I mean, he, he does, he does have Ferraris as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, McLaren was, I, I remember it, I mean, quite famously this accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I so sorry. Yeah, I mixed it up. I think, yeah, it was the, it was a McLaren, uh, McLaren car that he crashed in twice and then he sold it for like 12 million, 12 million after. Yeah, but he also, yeah, he just a racing fan and he does have quite a few of these <laughs> various cars. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and what we uh, already discussed, uh, and I put it here again, Enzo uh, Ferrari clearly understood the self-promotion and, uh, and the value of the news. And uh, I mean, he uh, understood uh, that, uh, that he was part of the Ferrari brand and, uh, and uh, part of the uh, Ferrari legacy, part of the Ferrari uh, news. And uh, this is what uh, brings um, additional value. And, uh, and uh, this is not only some uh, theoretical ideas uh, of us, but I mean, there are different business studies uh, which clearly see that uh, products which are emo emotionally uh, loaded uh, being part of uh, a news uh, you can sell uh, for a higher price and uh, this really has also um, a commercial benefit if they if your if your product is part of a bigger idea vision news um, whatever yeah well while while you were talking i just looked it up so yeah the, what i meant to, to say so so uh, actually um, rowan atkinson has lancia tema which is a very rare car because yeah. in uh, in the uk as a whole there are only 20 of these registered cars so he's like and i know that the engine in on that car comes from ferrari so um yeah, it is special edition 
Yeah, so it's a very yeah, it's a very very special car, and like I said, it's very rare for uh, for for UK. I mean, I guess uh, there might be more of them in Italy, but yeah, you don't have many in um, in uh, in UK. Uh, exactly, and uh, and this is uh, and this is kind of swiftly comes to the next slide about emotional connection between the brand and and the car. Uh, if you're buying today a, a Ferrari car, you don't buy it uh, just uh, because of the technical uh, specification, but you buy it uh, as you want to be part of this. Uh, Ferrari uh, uh, legend uh, part of the, this 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 news uh, this culture uh, of racing. I mean, honestly, if you're just buying a car for practical reasons, of course you never buy uh, a Ferrari. You you mm -hmm. would buy a buy a Toyota, Volkswagen, whatever. But I mean, there's no pure logical reason to buy a, a Ferrari. Uh, I mean, you may argue that uh, that your emotion satisfy uh, your emotional needs also, of course, is logical. Then you can say it's also logical to buy a Ferrari. But yeah, anyway, and, and also I think uh, there were celebrities. Uh, I just want to say that, uh, like I, um, when I was a kid, uh, I was very surprised to find out that some celebrities were kind of banned from buying Ferraris. Mm -hmm. um, so, so do you know anything about this? Is that something that uh, um, something that was uh, Enzo Ferraris, uh, Ferraris idea? Because like, I mean, as a very passionate guy for his brand, he might have been the kind of uh, yeah, uh, the mean, inspirator uh, of that. Uh, I'm Ferrari uh, has uh, since the beginning uh, a program. I mean, now, uh, now it's like a different uh, department. Uh, that for the VIP uh, clients, uh, they offer the possibility that the client uh, develops the car together with Ferrari. So you see mm -hmm. some VIP uh, customers and one of them, uh, for example, British singer Chris Weir, mm -hmm. who is a big uh, Ferrari fan. So he, uh, he, of course, he has the, uh, first of all, to participate in this program, uh, you must be a long-term Ferrari customer. So you must have been bought uh, like three Ferraris in the past. So even if you're the richest guy in the world, never buy bought a Ferrari in the past, you cannot participate in uh, this uh, program. And this is the way to uh, protect uh, the brand um, and, and really keep up uh, this mystery uh, around it. So. Uh, and uh, especially in the 1950s and the 1960s, uh, with the uh, economic growth in Italy, uh, the different, uh, uh, especially the different Italian uh, movie stars, directors, they went to Ferrari and they got, uh, they developed together with Pininfarina like uh, one uh, uh, offs and maybe not directly the topic of our podcast, but maybe we do a special, as you said. Uh, uh, I've just, I forgot the name of the uh, famous director, but... Uh, I know that that uh, dead mouse, uh, mouse, you know, this guy who kind of is like a musician and has like a mask, uh, like, a, like a mouse. So he, uh, he basically re repainted uh, the car uh, and um, like basically he put some like custom wrap on it and um, renamed it to Purari. 
uh, and uh, that just pissed off the brand so much that he cannot have it anymore. Um, so that's one. I mean, I guess, uh, yeah, we, we just, we can talk about it um, kind of um, separately, like the reasons why, you know, some of... Uh, um, some some of some some of the celebrities so mostly yeah i think it's like uh, it's kind of like ferrari like you don't actually own ferrari ferrari owns, owns you right um and uh, yeah so anybody who try to kind of change the style uh, exactly and the good thing is uh, uh, of the internet so uh, you can do investigation while you are talking so uh, um the director i meant was uh, roberto rossellini he was mm -hmm. a big ferrari fan so he ordered a, a one-off and uh, not only that he bought a one-off for himself, he also bought a very special one-time Ferrari for his uh, wife at that uh, moment, which was uh, Ingrid Bergman. So mm -hmm. there's a very famous uh, Ferrari called uh, the, the Ingrid Bergman Ferrari. Uh, and uh, mm -hmm. this was just really designed only one time for this particular customer. And this is which did Ferrari uh, since the beginning and they, today they have a special department where they are in contact with their VIP customers and do complete uh, unique Ferraris. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, that, and this uh, emotional connection is very important and that's something that, uh, you know, became a part of the Ferrari brand. Um, exactly, and uh, you know, we had uh, that uh, Dolce Vita, which started... Uh, uh, in that uh, time in Italy. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, Ferrari benefited uh, of Italians uh, become slowly uh, richer again and uh, finally the movie stars, directors, other famous people, they could uh, afford uh, Ferrari and of course uh, wanted to be seen inside the Ferrari. Yeah, so it became, uh, I mean, I will talk about uh, some other aspects a bit later, but uh, yeah, so Ferrari became actually um, uh, the pioneer in uh, kind of promoting the fact that uh, car could be uh, could signify the status, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So, like in British engineering, we obviously had uh, had other examples, uh, but um, yeah, in in terms of um, uh, in terms of pioneering this idea, I think uh, Ferrari is definitely the lead, like the world lead in this, and in 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 saying that you know the the car. Uh, it's not just a piece of metal. <laughs> it's uh, it's something that shows your status to the outside world. Yes, and uh, and, and, and more than that, and more than that. Exactly. But again, uh, funny that uh, Enzo Ferrari was uh, very introverted, and uh, he was not uh, he not he not liked showing off. So uh, he 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 enjoyed driving uh, his cars uh, because he appreciated the technology, uh, the power. But he, he, he wasn't that much uh, that he just uh, liked to be seen in, in fancy cars. No, no, and no, but, uh, but, but of course not. But uh, I mean, in terms, of, um, uh, in terms of the way they positioned the brand, I think it was, uh, um, it was like, you, you know, you need to take pride in, you know, what, what, in whatever you're driving. So, and I mean, uh, the first idea of the, uh, Ferrari as a car manufacturer was to to sell cars uh, which you can drive uh, in the week and at the weekend uh, you can uh, win a race uh, visit. So this ve the very first uh, cars uh, had been really race cars 
and only after uh, a while Ferrari changed this approach and and offered more luxury cars, uh, which are of course still uh, very sportive, but they're not made for racing and they surely uh, they never meant to, to be driven on a racetrack. Uh, and also uh, Ferrari, Enzo Ferrari was not very emotional uh, attached uh, to car manufacturing. Uh, his passion was, uh, was the motorsports and uh, he understood he had to sell cars to finance uh, his racing team, but he, he wasn't that uh, emotionally attached. So uh, he really did what you said. Uh, he produced the cars which he had been able to sell. Yeah, and, and again, kind of um, uh, making parallel with fashion, I just want to make a parallel with Tom Ford. I mean, like you said, I mean, yeah, maybe he was not, uh, um, he was very passionate about racing, but not about kind of uh, uh, the luxury car market. But, um, you know, like Tom, Tom Ford famously said that, you know, I, you know, I produce clothes, but like, if I make uh, trousers that no, are not very comfortable, no one will buy them. It doesn't matter how good, how good they look and how many labels saying Tom Ford yeah. you're going to put on them. I mean, but, you know, so, and I think that was, um, that was also um, a part of uh, kind of Enzo Ferrari's philosophy, kind of similar philosophy, because he, uh, you know, it, even even though it was not maybe his uh, his priority, his top yep. priority, but um, he still uh, understood that you know uh, what what good car is, right? He could appreciate it, and this is why his cars were kind of very exactly. very good. And uh, of of course, and uh, he and what we said in the beginning, he was very stubborn, and something what he really. Uh, couldn't uh, uh, deal with was uh, crit uh, criticism, especially if the criticism came from a person who was not uh, inside uh, his circle uh, of trust. I mean, there's this famous uh, episode uh, with uh, Lamborghini, uh, who, uh, who was a very uh, rich man, also in Modena, uh, and he owned uh, a company uh, manufacturing uh, tractors. Tractors. Yep. Uh, so he uh, had a Ferrari, but uh, he complained the car was uh, too hard, and he wrote a letter, uh, a letter to Enzo Ferrari with some recommendation what to change. And uh, Enzo was not very happy and just uh, answered back that uh, he should stay with his tractors <laughs> and don't drive Ferraris. <laughs> and, uh, thank, uh, and thanks to that, we now have Lamborghini. Lumber exactly, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Signore Lamborghini not like these answers and said, then I'm doing it myself and I can do it better than, than you. And we, really, uh, and thanks to this, we have uh, Lamborghini not only as tractors, but also as uh, sports cars. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay, so let's uh, see also some of his quotes. There are really a lot of Enzo Ferrari quotes uh, so I just uh, have a collection. Uh, the first one, uh, it's really uh, directly related to the story about uh, Lamborghini. Mm -hmm. 
uh, they said the climb is not always uh, right. And and uh, and that mouse that I just told. So yeah. So it, you know, if the client wants to kind of have a custom wrapping of the car that uh, Ferrari produced for 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 him, maybe <laughs> or for her. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, you might lose uh, the uh, the ability to drive Ferrari for good. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so. But let's say this from the positive point of view, uh, thanks to this, we have uh, Lamborghini and uh, with this, we have uh, more competition on, on the market. Yeah, but that also kind of, I think it also showcases his attitude, right? So, um, and uh, his, uh, like you said, his leadership style. So, you know, we have um, leaders who lead by example and leaders who lead by um, basically by being this uh, kind of a team player, uh, so service leadership, right? So, but he was really uh, uh, quite <laughs> quite authoritative person. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, this is this is how I see it, and this is how I want to do it. Yeah, and it worked, and it worked for him, right? You're, you're of course uh, right, but uh, but also of course you always have the. It's more uh, complicated. Uh, yeah, of course, it's not that simple. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, for example, he was very, on the one hand, very authoritarian, uh, but nevertheless, he really appreciated uh, hard work as uh, it was uh, inside his blood, as we discussed. So it is reported well, of course, of course, times yeah. that uh, in the evenings uh, when he returned uh, to his office uh, and he known that his mechanics was still uh, working, so uh, he went, stopped by to the, at the restaurant where I've shown the photos. He bought some uh, Lambrusco, he bought uh, bread and salami uh, so that the mechanics had something to drink and uh, to eat. Oh, I don't mean by authoritative, I don't mean that he didn't care about his stuff. I just meant that he was the boss, right? He was the boss. He was the guy who made the decisions. The final decision is with him. So that's, exactly. that's what it is. Of course, you take the best input from the team that you can. It doesn't mean that you don't listen to people if you're also an authoritative leader. But I mean, you know, yeah, it was, it was the, the style was that there is only one guy in charge here. Exactly. He was the one in charge. But uh, at the same time, he also could be the, the caring uh, person. So... Uh, the, there are always different uh, sides uh, uh, to, to leadership, uh, and we—I mean, this—and we see this mostly with all uh, people. Mm -hmm. uh, next point: we, I mean, uh, we also already discussed uh, racing is a great mania to which one must sacrifice everything, without uh, reticence, without hesitations, mm -hmm. which we discussed. He never took uh, holidays. Uh, he also carried on as close friends uh, of him died uh, in the sports. So he, he really understood uh, that it's not uh, easy, but he understood it's, it's his, uh, his task uh, to, do, to organize racing and uh, this is what he had to do. So uh, we also missed this, uh, if you can dream it, you can do it. Um, okay. I think... Um, uh, so that also reminds me again of Art uh, and uh, Salvador Dali, who famously said, anything you can imagine is real. <laughs> so so that's, <laughs> that's kind of a very similar idea that, you know, if you can, uh, if you can imagine it, then, you know, you, you should be able to do it. So, and then that's, uh, that's not the attitude that many people take, I have to say. So, mm -hmm. Yep, you're, you're completely uh, right. 
Um, so the next, uh, what we already discussed, uh, he really never took uh, vacation. Uh, furthermore, uh, he not even traveled uh, to the races uh, himself. He once uh, said uh, that he couldn't stand it uh, to see a race because uh, he, he's practically uh, including his love uh, in the development of the car and then he couldn't uh, stand it to see the car uh, suffering. I actually, uh, I actually understand him, and in fact, uh, I myself have a very similar um, <laughs> habit. For example, um, I never in my whole life attended a single exam <laughs> when my students have to take an exam. <laughs> so, well, I, I always had good excuses, either conference or some engagement uh, that I had to go to, but I... I, it, uh, it's a really painful uh, experience when you yeah, kind of have to um, uh, adjudicate your own exam. So and I've never done it in my life. And um, I, I think it's very similar feeling because like you, you want everyone to do well and you just can't <laughs> watch it as, you know, for three hours, like uh, when people are writing exam and you know that they're all good and they can all do it, but um, you know, anything can happen, anything where a random event can happen that could affect the performance. Exactly, so uh, the only uh, races he really attended have be, uh, had been the local races in, Italian, like, in Italy, like Monza or um, Imola. Uh, furthermore, he was uh, afraid of uh, flying, so he never uh, flew anyway. He never visited the US, which had been an important market, for example. So, uh, as I say, it's not only that he never took uh, holidays, he also tried uh, to avoid any kind of travel, if it would be for la leisure or also uh, business travel. Mm -hmm. uh, next point, uh, which we already discussed, I have yet to meet anyone quite so stubborn as myself and animated by this overpowering passion that leaves me no time for thought or anything else. I have in fact no interest in life outside racing cars. Mm -hmm. And yeah. also, I think I think this also highlights the kind of the the instinct, right? So there is a lot of research into instinctive, instinctive decision making, and I think uh, Enzo Ferrari strikes me as a person who really perfected that. So he had a, um, uh, so he he basically had this um, uh, feeling of what is right. <laughs> and of course, like he took him input, but you know, from from others. But uh, you know, this this uh, instinct, I think, is very important. And uh, you see, we will see this in uh, some other people that we will discuss. Like for example, Bruce McLaren. So that's yeah. another guy. I think um, uh, again, uh, lots of rational decision making there, but. Um, again, a, a lot of uh, instinctive, intuitive uh, decisions as well. Yeah, uh, and uh, due to my investigations, uh, I can confirm what he said. He had practically no uh, other interests uh, besides uh, racing car. Uh, maybe uh, uh, one exception. Uh, uh, since uh, young years, uh, he had been uh, married, uh, but it was not very happy, this uh, marriage. 
So uh, there had been at least uh, two girlfriends uh, later uh, in his life, as he still was married. Women so. and cars. <laughs> Women and cars. So not, not completely right that there have been no interests outside racing. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Okay, next. Okay. Uh, I built engine and attach wheels to them. Uh, as we discussed uh, in the beginning, Another of his famous quotes, I fall in love with the 12-cylinder engine and never got divorced. So he was really, uh, even if uh, Ferraris, if uh, we think about, of course, also this ironic uh, designs, at least if you think about the streetcars, um, mostly done by Pininfarina. Uh, but for Enzo, it was all about the engine. So the rest, uh, they had to do because uh, cars needs... needs uh, something around uh, so it was necessary but really uh, he was about uh, engine mm -hmm. but also it was i think the time period uh, when uh, the yeah. kind of the fia regulations allowed you to do to do things because in a sense now um i guess uh, we are so much into this uh, like a tiny fine tuning uh, you yeah. know uh, and kind of milliseconds rather than seconds um, is because, I mean, a lot has been done, a lot has been developed. Uh, so what we observe is kind of citations of what, you know, we previously observed in the sport. But, but also uh, in terms of, uh, um, uh, you know, it was a time period when you could do really great innovations and there were not so many restrictions. <laughs> Yep. Uh, in, in terms of you know safety versus uh, uh, versus innovating on the engine, and uh, yeah, I guess engine probably was the most exciting uh, area that you could. Or engine I, engine innovations was the most exciting area where you could work. I, I agree, and uh, related to this, uh, maybe one of his most famous quotes: uh, "Aerodynamics are for people who can't build uh, engine." This is something what he said uh, at the 24 hours of Le Mans, where one of his uh, drivers, Paul Ferré from Belgium, also later we will see him in uh, Formula One, uh, he, he was uh, telling Enzo that uh, his uh, 250 Testarossa was not aerodynamic uh, enough, and due to this, uh, uh, the car was not uh, as fast as it should be. And again, uh, Paul Ferré was not was very <clears throat> was a very talented uh, driver, especially very knowledgeable. It, he was like a part-time driver, as he was mostly a journalist. Uh, but he was not uh, in Enzo's uh, uh, circle of trust. So criticism to his cars from somebody who's outside the circle. He didn't uh, uh, took that positive. So he just answered. Uh, Aerodynamics are for people who can't build engine. Uh, but I want to add that later he put it a little bit more uh, in relation. As he said, uh, yes, aerodynamics are of course important uh, when the engines are on a similar uh, quality. And uh, I, I like to uh, combine uh, this quote uh, with one particular car, the 1935 Alfa Romeo Bimotore. Uh, we had been in, in the Grand Prix racing before the Second uh, World War, and here uh, Ferrari was in direct competition with uh, the uh, big uh, German teams, especially Mercedes-Benz and Auto Union. 
And uh, in that time, the uh, German computers, they already uh, heavily uh, included aerodynamics. So uh, had been regularly uh, winning against uh, Ferrari. Uh, so what did uh, Enzo, and uh, I mean, this was a typical Enzo idea. Uh, he just uh, put, uh, he just uh, went to his friend uh, Vittorio Iano um, and uh, they together uh, decided uh, when our car is not fast enough, then just uh, put in a second engine. So this car has an engine in the back and an engine <laughs> in the front. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so even if this is the, uh, an Alfa Romeo, uh, due to me, this is really the very first uh, Ferrari race car as it was based on uh, his ideas and as we discussed, you see on this car the Scuderia Ferrari logo. Um, just to uh, conclude, uh, not really worked out this design uh, because uh, it was very fast car, but uh, it was too strong uh, for the tires. So the tires. Uh, yeah, I can imagine that prob probably wasn't very. Uh, yeah, that, that probably wasn't a very pleasant experience because the tires probably wouldn't last. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it really only won one race, which was in Berlin, the famous Abus. This is a racetrack, which is a practically two long straights and two curves. So it was really just high speed, even more than Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And this was the only race where it could win against the more aerodynamic cars from Auto Union and Mercedes-Benz. Mm -hmm. And last quote, and I think here, here we see a very uh, modern Enzo Ferrari. He said, uh, factories are made of people, machines and bricks. Ferrari is made mostly of people. And I think this, uh, especially today when we speak up uh, about uh, Industry 4.0, digitalization, these are all the developments which uh, put human creativity and ingenuity in the focus uh, of the company, so this is really a very modern uh, understanding of business. Yeah, so and here again uh, we see uh, we see Enzo Ferrari with Mike Horton um, uh, yes. uh, in in Monza, and uh, this is uh, actually 1953, uh, the year where which we just discussed <laughs> with yeah. Patrick. Um, and um, you, you can see that they are actually reading the press uh, of the day and uh, discussing at the same time the discussion is going on about probably about something technical. <laughs> and uh, there are people in the background who are doing kind of workshop and uh, workshop uh, tasks and also, I guess, some strategic tasks. So you can see that there is kind of the lead. The lead. So you can, you can immediately see who is, uh, who is the boss here. Uh, on the one hand, but at the same time, you can see that there is not a single idle person in the picture. So everybody is working on, uh, you know, uh, on something. So there is, uh, uh, there yeah, is a uh, good, yeah. You're, com you're completely right. Uh, just uh, to add, uh, here we see uh, Mike Horton, who was, uh, if I remember it right, uh, 20 years or 24 years? 24 years, years 24 years. It was 24 years. It was his uh, very first year at Ferrari. And uh, nevertheless, uh, I mean, they are sitting together uh, uh, on the same bench. Uh, so 
Uh, it also showed that Enzo Ferrari had a, a high level of uh, respect uh, to its pilots, even if it was always a mixed uh, relation. Mm -hmm. yeah, But it doesn't so. seem, for example, that Mike was, let's say, uh, afraid uh, of him as they see quite uh, trustful, quite uh, close together sitting on this bench. Yeah, yeah, exactly, 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 and uh, yeah, but, but so that's that's what I well, that's what uh, I, I mean by this kind of authority. So you kind of have a lot of respect yes. uh, and a lot of input, but and yet, yeah, like kind of uh, you can see who is the center picture here. <laughs> exactly, it, it was respect, but uh, not no fear. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, that's it. Um, Yeah, so uh, yeah, so obviously we talked a, a lot about behavior. I just want to mention a few things. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't think at this point we do need to discuss anything further about the character. We, <laughs> we, do, we have talked about it extensively. Uh, strategically, yeah, if you could go back for one second. Yeah, I just want to mention uh, just, 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 one, uh, just one or two things. Um, yeah, in terms of obviously the strategy, like to me, um, like I think, I don't know if you would agree with me, Patrick, that despite all kind of the analytical input, um, uh, like I said, I think that Enzo Ferrari was very, um, had, had very strong opinions about like ethics, for example, yeah. of driving and, and ethics of the brand uh, and a very intuitive leader, very, you know, a lot of decisions made on intuition. Yes. Uh, this kind of this uh, uh, quote about engines kind of say it all like you know I just think that you know engine is the most important thing so you know and, uh, you can't convince me otherwise and you know stubbornness definitely that's another that's another thing uh, yeah I just want to mention this uh, kind of service revolution um, so so um, I think many brands many very successful brands especially like um, one brand that comes to mind is Harley Davidson um, mm -hmm. came to this much, much later. Um, but I think Enzo Ferrari of all people understood very early that uh, Ferrari does not sell, uh, you know, metal and glass. They are selling Italian dream. Yep. And this kind of car as a service is something that, you know, the industry realized a lot later. Um, and Ferrari was so cool uh, already kind of from the start of its existence because uh, they uh, treated car as a service back in the day. Um, so so we, we, also, we also already kind of mentioned this brand revolution and, uh, you know, Ferrari remains one of the most recognizable brands in, in the world. Um, and, uh, you know, the reason, uh, part of the reason of this is, of course, that, you know, it's, it is this, it is this Italian dream. It is a service before the, you know, be, be, uh, before being a car, it's, it's a service to, to the customer. And, um, you know, it is, it is a, it is a very recognizable brand and it is a very desirable thing. And also it's a, it's a matter of sta status for many people. Yeah. And then I want to talk about this analytics revolution and, uh, we yeah. can kind of go next, uh, to the next, uh, to the next slide, yeah. um, where basically you can see, um, Uh, yeah, so when it appears, I know that that's very, very, it's very, it's not probably very visible, but um, here you can see basically the top 65, or not 
the top at 65 major teams. Uh, and uh, you can see Ferrari up there and McLaren um, is another one that is kind of consistent, uh, those competitors that emerge later. <laughs> uh, but um, so basically what this picture shows you is uh, whenever there are green cells, it means that the performance improved in terms of, you know, um, podium positions or just the car positions from the previous year. When it's red, it means it became worse. And when it's green, uh, so, and, and uh, yeah, and, uh, and, and when it's yellow, it basically didn't change. Um, so uh, yellow amber. So, and you can, you can see that uh, for, many, for many teams, uh, it was very short run, uh, whereas for Ferrari, it's very consistent and almost always green compared to other brands. So, um, and so, so, so the, the important point here is that, like, for example, I did um, a lot of um, ex um, uh, research uh, uh, into, um, you know, uh, kind of well-established, how well-established brands compare to uh, Uh, younger brands, like for example, Lotus, when it came, it was able to overtake, it was able to dominate um, the sport. We recently saw, kind of saw that with Red Bull as well, although it's kind of, it's the same. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same make in a way. Um, but, um, but in, in terms of, um, in, in terms of uh, newcomers, uh, They can, you can see that they can temporarily overtake well-established brands in, in Formula One, but in the end, the well-established brands always, are always better, seem, seem to be always better. But not only that, but in terms of, uh, you know, Ferrari performance, you can, you can see how uh, uh, historically it is better than uh, uh, than any other team that you can see. First of all, it, it existed since uh, the beginning of uh, the championship and it uh, continues to exist. Uh, but also, you know, it's almost always an improvement. It's very rarely stagnation or like we had a couple of years where it's maybe slightly more amber and closer to red than, uh, than normal. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is uh, one of the reasons, I mean, we mentioned a lot of reasons with leadership and organization and thinking about the brand and thinking about the strategy and carefully selecting the drivers and working with young drivers. So it's all, it's all present there. So there is a lot of, there are a lot of factors, but I just want to particularly talk about analytics. Uh, so if we could uh, go to the next slide. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, so this is basically kind of the uh, various um, 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 uh, stages of analytics in Formula One um, that uh, um, you know I talked about in one of the kind of preview videos for the channel. But uh, here you basically uh, see the Ferrari run. I just want to look at the Ferrari curve. <laughs> And uh, um, it just basically tells you that Ferrari always innovates in terms of the way they analyze data. And um, that allows them to kind of get to, um, so that allows them to kind of have this um, stable run because they always think not only what data we have, but also how do we produce uh, the most valuable insight from the data. Um, so yeah, this, this analysis was only done up to 
2017, I need to update it, so we probably will have a separate session where we kind of uh, um, we will look at all the way up to 2019 and I think it would be very interesting to look at 2020 when we have simulated rides uh, because the, their, I think the driver skill is probably more important um, but um, you know in terms of in, in terms of this um, uh, um, analytics uh, most of the teams they use Atlas system which is kind of produced by McLaren pioneered by McLaren but Ferrari is kind of using their own systems uh, for analytics and they are very good at innovating um, uh, yeah they're very good at innovating on analytics side and I think uh, uh, the reason for that is is precisely this combination of intuitive, you know, intuitive reasoning and data. And you're constantly thinking what data is valuable. Um, we see in many sports that um, teams tend to analyze uh, completely useless data. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I can tell you so that a recent example where... Um, one so one of uh, again one of my colleagues does a lot of uh, this uh, sport uh, consulting and uh, he recently told me of a case when he went to advise a team uh, that was a football team and um, they measured uh, basically um, kind of the physical fitness uh, so basically they would stick like Fitbits on the the football players and they would track like how many like, uh, how many miles they would run each day. And obviously, it's very easy to trick the system. So you can just stick the, the sensor on the dog and have it run somewhere. And uh, that ended up to be a completely useless, uh, you know, a completely useless exercise. So it didn't amount to anything. So sometimes you uh, you get carried away but by having sensor data or having, uh, uh, having just data from... Uh, from uh, uh, perform, you know, some sort of data that you think uh, might be uh, relevant for performance. Well, in fact, it has uh, either no bearing or, in fact, inhibits the performance. Um, and uh, the cool thing about Ferrari is that they uh, they actually uh, always seem to find this balance in terms of you know what is the right amount of data and right amount of innovation and analytics. So that's kind of yeah. all I wanted to say about an analytical part. Yes, and uh, maybe it would be interesting that we do one day in special uh, where we analyze the uh, corporate uh, principles, corporate mm. values from Ferrari in relation to, let's say, to McLaren, mm. uh, Honda, Mercedes, uh, to see a little bit how the ideas of the founder like Bruce McLaren, Enzo Ferrari is still living inside today's teams. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the corporate culture is very different in, in, this, uh, in these teams. Uh, like, for example, yeah, I think Japanese teams in particular are very different. And uh, the reason why they do not survive, like one of the reasons why they do not survive very well in Formula One is that decision ta decisions take a long time uh, in, 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 in Japan for historical reasons or for cultural reasons. And uh, Formula One is not the type of sport where you could waste uh, much time. <laughs> you need very, very quick decisions. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, again... Exactly, but, uh, um, uh, yeah, uh, um, honestly, I started looking into that topic. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
jetzt bei Menschnit. If you see today's uh, Honda's business principles, they are very much related to uh, race driving. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just, I was just thinking about, for example, Toyota team that um, at one point had, I think, the highest budget uh, in the sport, uh, but, yeah. you know, wasn't performing very well. And uh, yeah. yeah, so it would be interesting, like, to see it, uh, so to look at it more closely um, and uh, indeed uh, understand uh, what drives uh, uh, the success in terms of culture, like what is the, the successful culture versus unsuccessful culture in, in, yeah. in Formula One. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. This is something that we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, this is uh, insanely difficult. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you <laughs> maybe start and then I will. I, 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 we are speaking now uh, more than 90 uh, minutes uh, and uh, We're really speaking about some examples about his life. So, I mean, uh, if you, I wouldn't, uh, in this case, um, no sentences, but I mean, his nickname, Il Commendatore, I mean, this is a perfect uh, resume, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like to me, again, I will, um, I will uh, just probably repeat uh, what I said uh, uh, with regard to car as a service, I think, uh, He's, uh, he's this kind of dream catcher, right? So he, uh, he's the person who convinced the entire world that cars are not metal and glass, that they are a presentation of the dream, in his, in his case, Italian dream. Uh, and I think that was probably the most important contribution. Um, you know, whether we talk about racing or whether we talk about uh, something he was not that passionate about, the, you know, the luxury car market. But nevertheless, I think uh, this is the most important thing that he did for uh, for the humanity. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay, so um, this was uh, an episode on Enzo Ferrari. Oof, that, was, that was hard. <laughs> yeah. And it was very long as well. So um, so hope you're still with us and do tell us, uh, like I said, we're not... Uh, Claiming, I mean, Patrick uh, has written uh, about Enzo Ferrari. I'm not claiming any kind of uh, um, special knowledge on, on Enzo Ferrari. So do tell us if we missed something or whether we were wrong in, in, somewhere or if you agree with us, if you disagree with us, we definitely want to hear your opinion. And uh, yeah, we're not, we do not, uh, we do, we're not preaching kind of absolute truth here. We are interested in discussions. So please do. Exactly. And this is really a very, uh, very uh, big legacy. And uh, again, if you see this book uh, from the beginning, nearly 1000 pages, and I found a lot of episodes which are not inside uh, this book. So you really, if you want to include everything, you may write a book of 2000, 3000 uh, pages. So really, we just can uh, uh, speak about parts. And of course, uh, as uh, he died uh, 1988, uh, it's uh, he's really a, a person of the past. And uh, it's, it's difficult, difficult for us now, uh, more than uh, 30 years later, to always distinguish uh, fiction from, from facts. So it's also, of course, uh, What we're talking about mirrors a little bit our uh, personal uh, ideas, perceptions, experiences. Okay, 
And yeah, just let's not forget that he was a human being. <laughs> and uh, yeah, indeed. Uh, so um, uh, there is a lot of uh, kind of uh, mythology around around him uh, uh, that kind of appeared after his death. But uh, yeah, we still have to remember that he was a man. Uh, yeah. And uh, hopefully that uh, that was apparent in 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 this in this video, and we hope you enjoyed it. So thanks a lot, thanks so much, Patrick. Uh, I mean, thanks I learned you. a lot certainly. Uh, thanks a lot, and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Yeah, have a nice day.